0: Come on, amen. amen. That should make you excited. Yes. Both of you. Ah, oh, come to Jesus. There's a come to Jesus moment in service today. Doesn't mean you wait till the altar call. It means you come to Jesus when Jesus comes and extends his hand to you. Whether it's in the Moment here through a video, at a moment through reading of scripture, as the spirit leads, respond to him today. Come to Jesus, amen. amen. Let's go home. <laughs> Just kidding. <clears throat> You know, let me encourage you to um, open up your church app, and if you go into the church app, if you have not downloaded the New Life of Tula app, download our app. It's how you'll stay up to date with everything that's happening and going on, and, um, and you can in there, there's a little button on the bottom that says media. You can go to the media, and you will see sermon notes. Click the sermon notes, and you can follow along. I, I send those, give those sermon notes to Mike every week, and we uh, upload those so that you have something to, I don't think you're sitting there playing solitaire. We are looking at Luke chapter eight and and gonna finish up in verses 40 through 56, what we began. If you had not been here, heard the, listened to the sermons, the notes are there, you can go back, listen to the the sermons and fill in the notes and, and I hope that it'll help make everything make sense. But in the first half of this story, the story is about the cleansing virtue of Jesus, that Jesus brings atonement, that Jesus cleanses, Jesus washes us And in the story, let me just read through the first half here, and we'll go on to the second half it started in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, so Jesus had left, Jesus needed a break. Jesus got into the boat. He went across the lake, Galilee, and he the storm came up. Jesus calmed the storm. They went to the shore. Right away, this demoniac, this demon-possessed guy comes running to him. Jesus casts the demon out of him. The pigs run down the hill because the demons go into the hill, and Jesus begins to minister to this man and all who are coming, and then Jesus gets back into the boat, comes back across to the other side, and what's waiting there there's a crowd waiting to welcome him and there came a man in the midst of this crowd there comes this man named Jairus who was the ruler of the synagogue so Jairus comes there's this big crowd all around Jesus Jairus the ruler of the synagogue he pushes his way through the crowd and he gets to where Jesus is and it says that he falling at Jesus feet he implored him to come to his house so he's saying Jesus I know that it's hard but will you leave this crowd and come to my house with me Jesus, will you please come and do this and and come be with me, my daughter? He says, for my only daughter is about 12 years old and she's dying. I talked about just that place of just special relationship, how daughters are a blessing. And I think that Jesus here sees how important this daughter is to this guy. And he says, you know what? I'll go with you. Jesus went. But the people didn't just let him. It says, and the, the people pressed in around him And then there was this woman who had a discharge of blood. She'd been sick for 12 years she had been sick. 12 years she had been weak. And 12 years she had struggled with this issue that made her ceremonially unclean. Everywhere she went, she had to call out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the desperate place that she wanted to find healing in this? It says she did everything. She spent her whole living on physicians and she could not be healed by anyone. So you've got this woman in the midst of this crowd that's completely broke. She's got nothing left. She's desperate. She's sick. She's lonely. Nobody can be around her. She's just calling out everywhere she goes. She can't be she touches somebody, she makes them ceremonially unclean. So she's lonely. Man, I I just think about that. You know, the only worst thing than being sick is being sick and lonely. And so she's in this crowd and she came up, verse 44, when she came up behind him, so she's not even supposed to be there. Religion says you're not even supposed to be here. She's supposed to be calling out unclean. And for one reason or another, she decided to sneak into this crowd and she comes up behind Jesus and then she does the next worst thing. She touched the fringe of his garment she ceremonially she made him unclean or that's what religion said but immediately her discharge of blood ceased see what what they thought would make unclean jesus makes clean you may think that what you have or what you've done or where you've been makes you unclean you reach out and touch jesus because he makes you clean And so she she finds uh, she's healed. I mean, she's healed in this moment. And Jesus turns around, verse forty five. Who was it that touched me? And you see, Jesus walking through the crowd. She reaches out, just touches just the fringe of his garment, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops and goes, "Who touched me? Who touched me?" Imagine the fear that she must have been thinking about. Oh no, it was me. But it says, when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. Thank you, Peter. I just look at that and go, you know, thank you for the obvious, Peter. Of course, there's crowds around you pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceived the power of has gone out from me something some, something different happened now I don't mean who in this place has been touched I mean who touched me who had the faith to reach out and touch me and so when the woman saw that she was not hidden so you know again, I, th- I think people were looking at her going wow you came in here sick and now you look whole you came in here all dis- distressed and you left happy You know, there are some of you that come into this place today totally distressed, totally upside down, totally inside out with what's happened to you. And God wants to bring a touch into your life so that you can leave this place looking different. That the people around you go, wait a minute, you went into church all bummed out and down and depressed, but you're coming out all happy and singing and filled with praise. What is different? Because I touched Jesus. This woman saw that she wasn't hidden and she came trembling and falling down before him and she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Can you, again, imagine what she must have been thinking. She must have been thinking, like, what's he gonna do now? Ah, I did what I'm not supposed to do. I shouldn't have touched him. Is he gonna take my healing away? You know what? There are some of you that think that because you break a religious law that God comes and he smites you. That you fall back into something and think, oh, God must have done this because I did something wrong. It's not the way God works. But that's the natural thought. And that's the way this woman's thinking. Oh, no, what's going to happen now? The people are going to stone me? I don't know. What's going to happen? And Jesus said to her, daughter. And again, I told you, this is the only place in Scripture that Jesus calls anybody daughter. Daughter your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Church, this story, this true story that Luke tells us of this actual incident is absolutely a picture of atonement. It is a picture of the atoning grace of God. It is a, the doctrine of expiation. It is this, Jesus cleanses. And that's what we see in this whole thing. That's what I've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. And so in the second half of this story, I want to move into this part. Because in in verses 49 through 56, we see that not only does Jesus cleanse, but Jesus raises. Jesus raises. You know, we go back to, the. you know, you kind of get reading through the story and you kind of lose sight of what the story started as. Because the story started about, uh, the story was about Jairus and his little girl. What happens to the little girl? What happened to her? What about this little 12-year-old girl that's sick on her deathbed? What about this little girl that her dad is desperately in love with and desperately cares about? What about her? She's left laying on her deathbed. What about her? She's got it. Her mom is sitting there trying to care for her. And, and Jairus is like, he got his attention. Now Jesus is coming with him. And Jairus gets up off the ground. And Jesus is going to go with him. And Jairus is walking along. Come on, let's go to my house. And all of a sudden, all these people are in the way. This woman stops him. And, and I'm sure Jairus is like, no, 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 Jesus, no. Come with me. Come on, no. Jesus. And in Luke chapter 8 and verse 49, Jairus is standing there, I'm sure. Come on, Jesus. And he's looking at Jesus, watching Jesus, and, and Jesus is talking to this woman. And it says, While he was still speaking, while Jesus was still talking to this woman, someone from the ruler's house came and said, And and again, you know, I'm gonna talk about this today. And I'm going to talk about this in a real way to try to tie us together to the emotion that's happening, not to try to stir something up in somebody that's been through some difficult things in difficult places. And if you find yourself today being stirred up into difficult memories and things that have happened, please know this, our God is not bound by time. And that our God is able to move into the hurts and pains just as easily in your past as he can in your, in your present or in your future. So today is a day for healing some of those things, not just to stir them up. But if we don't emotionally connect with what God is doing, then I think that we take a part of ourselves and we miss the fullness of what God has for us. Amen? So this, so he's standing there. He's looking at Jesus, minister to this, talk to and, and minister to this woman. And someone from the ruler's house came, and he says, "This, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore." I I, I thought, who picked that guy to go get, deliver the news? I mean, seriously, this guy's got no empathy at all. He certainly had no pastoral care in any of this. I mean, hey, Jesus, you know, our, our Jairus, don't bother Jesus, your daughter's dead. Jairus is just watching and, and, and looking at Jesus as Jesus is ministering to this woman who's been sick with the issue of blood for 12 years as long as his daughter's been alive. He's just standing there and he's watching, hoping, come on, Jesus, if I can just get Jesus there, if I can just get Jesus to come, if I can get him there quickly, I, he can heal my daughter and she can come back to help. And as he's standing there watching and waiting and, and, and thinking these things, this guy comes and says, Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter is dead. Look, I, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not going to be apologetic about this. But we need to feel the emotion of the moment. You've got to enter into this. And I'll be honest, one of the worst, I don't even like to imagine what we're going to talk about here for a few moments. I think the worst thing in the world that I can think of ever happening is having to preach my own daughter's funeral. I can't even imagine. I one baby one little girl this one child and in that day the infant mortality rates were crazy infant mortality rate in the days of Jesus were about 28 29% of the infants that were born died before a week the childhood mortality rate was 49% that's crazy People didn't even often, they didn't even name their children until they were over a week old because the death rate was so high. Just, again, crazy. And, and this guy, Jairus, he has a daughter that made it. His daughter made it through that. She made it through that first week. She, she had a name. And and now here she is. She's 12 years old, and and they're probably praising God, thanking God that their daughter made it through. Thank you, Lord, for giving my daughter life. Thank you, Lord, for this daughter that I adore. Thank you, Lord, for this daughter that's a gift. Thank you, God, that she's healthy. Thank you, God, that she's mine. And now she's sick. She got sick, and we thought she was going to get better. She got sick and, and, and we thought that she was gonna, you know, just kick it and, and she didn't and she just got worse and it, and it got worse and it got worse and now here she is, she's on her deathbed and this mom and dad are there with this little girl and I can imagine at some moment or another the mom looks at her dad and says, I heard Jesus is in town, you need to go get Jesus. You need to leave. You need to go get Jesus. Jairus, please, go get him. Go beg him. Go do whatever it takes. Get Jairus. Jairus, bring Jesus back. We need him here. I'll stay. But you go. And in this whole story, there's a lot of heartbreaking things in this story. What breaks my heart as a dad the most is that Jairus, he wasn't there To see his daughter die. He wasn't there when she passed away. And listen, as a dad, man, I wanna be there in that last moment. I know all of you dads, man, you wanna be there. I'm gonna be there. I wanna, if that should ever happen, and God forbid, please, God forbid. But man, if it does, you know, I know, I wanna be there to kiss her on the forehead. I want to be there to hold her. I want to be there to have her hand. I want to be there to tell her I love her. I want to be there to cry with her, to thank God for her, to let her know the joy that she's brought into my life. I want to be there with her to tell her goodbye. And he wasn't. He wasn't there. And it wasn't because he didn't want to. It was because he was trying to do whatever he could do to save her. You know, again, I, this story, I, I can only imagine the wife. I, I think about Joni. You know, if we were going through this situation, I can't imagine how Joni would deal with some of that without me being there for her, for them. To be there for her, just, just I, the vision of her praying and crying and holding and being there, right? Watching each and every breath, wondering if this is the last one or not. And me not being there to be the strength that she needs. Me not being there to be the head of my home the way God intended. For me not to be there to love and to comfort them. Jairus has to His daughter's dead. And for me, if I was in Jairus' shoes, as I'm sure for any of you, I would be traumatized. This daughter that God, you gave me, this daughter that i love with all my heart with everything that was in me I, this daughter lord why what happened this gift what I mean, it'd be traumatizing it would be i'd be angry i'd be looking at this whole thing go you, you've had this issue of blood for 12 years you couldn't wait for two more hours so jesus could come heal my daughter Are you kidding me? You, all you people, is that all you can think about is yourself while my daughter dies? I mean, Mad Jesus, why did you let all these people get in the way? Why did you let them stop yourself from coming with me? You said you would. I I don't know. I, I thought, I don't know that I could ever stop crying. And please, some of you, have been through this. Some of you know the emotion. You, you've experienced that. And my, my heart and my prayers go out to you. I don't know how you go through it without the grace of God, without the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. But I do know that in the pain of that, that we serve a God that's able to bring healing even to those places. Not to take it away, but to bring healing. Not to make us forget, but to be able to help us remember with some sense of peace. You know, we you know we all we all love our kids equally, right? That's what we say. <laughs> That's what we tell everybody. When your kids come to you and they say, Who's your favorite? Yep that's the answer you are of course because you know when 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 you have children the first child comes and you're not sure what that love's going to look like feel like you don't know what that's going to be like you don't have a clue and and then when that first child comes it's like this explosion of love happens and you don't know where it came from it's like how in the world you know I, i how in the world do i love this baby so much And it doesn't diminish the love that I have for my wife. And then we have another baby. And we wonder, how in the world am I going to love this baby the same way? Every parent goes through this where you start to get like worried about, oh man, is is it going to take love away from the first one to love the second one like that? What's going to happen? How are we going to divvy this up? And then you have that second baby, and it's like, boom, this love bomb goes off, and you're like, I didn't give up any love for my firstborn to love the secondborn the same way I love my firstborn. Isn't God good that way? But, but, there is a very Again, it doesn't make the love greater. It doesn't make any, but there is a very special affection between a daughter and her daddy, especially a firstborn daughter. There's something that's just really God-given in all of that. It's special. It's something that God does. It's sacred. something. doesn't mean you love any more than the other children or anybody else. It just means there's something special there. And and through all the years of counseling and all of the years of ministry and the things that I've read, the things that I've had to dive into, I, I will say this. There needs to be some pretty horrible stuff done to make an oldest daughter not love you. Because there's some fairly horrible guys that their daughters still love them. Amen. So this girl... And I say that to come to this, that this girl adored her daddy. You know she loved her daddy. That he would do anything for her. He was willing to do whatever it took. And now she's dead. And the question is, what will Jesus do? What will Jesus do? These, these are decisions Jesus has to make. Is, am I gonna stay and minister to this woman who's bleeding, this woman who has a need, this crowd that has a need, or am I gonna go and, and minister to this 12-year-old little girl? And so Jesus is in the midst of this decision-making. He's in the midst of this place, and, and Jesus stops, and he is. He's ministering, and, and you gotta hear this. He's ministering to this woman, and he's serving her, and he's, he's brought this healing that's come, and behind him is Jairus just patiently, probably impatiently waiting for Jesus to come with him, and behind him, this servant comes up and says, don't bother Jesus, your daughter's dead. And what happens? But Jesus, it says in verse 50, but Jesus on hearing this answered him. You know what? Jesus was over here ministering and you know what? Jesus heard. I want you to know that when you cry out to the Lord, Jesus hears you. That even though you may think he's busy, he's off somewhere else, Jesus hears you. And he's he's ministering. He hears this, and he's I can make don't don't listen to that guy. On hearing that, he says, "Don't fear, only believe." Again, I love Luke. I love the way in which Luke shares these stories. I love the fact that he doesn't just tell one story after another, but he weaves these together with only a way that the Holy Spirit could lead him to do. And in both of these stories, he weaves these together, and both stories are about faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. And you know, it's such a natural inclination for us that when something tragic or unexpected or bad or, or, or desperate happens in our lives, one of the first things that we are most likely to do is to respond by fear. Fear rises up. We get the bad news and fear rises up. And the first thought that fear brings to our mind is, well, Jesus, there's nothing he can do about it now. I mean, this guy's daughter was dead. Well, nothing's going to change. No reason to go to Jesus. No reason to spend time with Jesus. Well, it's all been blown. You know what? There's nothing that can happen. Why should I try? Why shouldn't I just give in? I just don't care at this point. I give up. I give in. Look, you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and start drinking this or start taking that? Go back to this. Go back to the old way because you know what? There's no reason to bother Jesus anymore. That's what fear says. Faith? Faith says, I gotta get to Jesus. I gotta get to Jesus. I don't care what's said. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what I did. I don't care. I gotta get to Jesus because I gotta get Jesus into the situation. I gotta bring Jesus into this place in my life. I gotta bring Jesus into this because I know that Jesus, I believe with all my heart that Jesus will change things. Jesus will make things different. Jesus will bring things in order. That's, that's faith. Jesus told the woman bleeding. He, he, for 12 years, she's been bleeding. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And here he's encouraging Jairus, saying, have faith in me. Have faith over the fear of the circumstance. Don't, no, you, Jairus, Jairus, can you see? Jairus, Jairus, come on, look me in the eye. Jairus, look me in the eye. Believe me, don't believe him. Believe what I say. Don't believe what he says. Don't fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother and the child. So Jesus clears the room. Everybody's gone. The little girl, she's there. She's laying on the bed. She's de- she's passed away. And in comes these uh, the Jesus, these three disciples. I thought about that. Why did Jesus bring those three disciples? I mean, why did he do that? These are the leaders of the disciples. Why did he, why did he bring them in? He didn't need them. And again, nothing in Scripture is there just to fill the pages. Why did he do that? Again, you uh, life group leaders, I I hope you'll have the answer for everybody when they come to your life group today. (laughs) I believe the reason that he brought them in was so that he could show them the ministry. Because in ministry, there is way more that's caught than is taught. And ministry, ministry literally, ministry is when you're being invited into the most sacred, most vulnerable times of people's lives. It's when people open up their hearts and open up their lives like maybe they never have before. They're repenting of something that's been going on in their life. They've, they've got a brokenness that they just don't know what to do with and don't know how to deal with it. They're, they're, you know, The highs of their life that you get to enter into with people. A time when people are being transformed and changed and revelation is happening and their families are just being totally downloaded into. Or a time when people are suffering, people are hurting, loved ones. Are, are passing away or, or somebody in themselves into people's hearts, into those places of the to be invited into those moments, into people's lives, into people's hearts, into those places of their life where people are opening up themselves for pastoral care. For somebody to come bring Jesus into the situation. And so Jesus brings his disciples in so they can learn. They're watching what Jesus does. It's part of their training. This was Ministry 201. And as I thought about all of that, honestly, the truth is that this is what happens in life groups. This is how life groups are intended to function. We, we go into people's homes, we go into people's lives, we go into people's, you know, those places where people are vulnerable. We, we do life together, we do community together. We begin to open ourselves up together. I mean, this is what happens in life groups. And this is where, listen, if you wanna learn how to care about people, life groups is the vehicle by which you can go in and begin to observe before doing. You can go look and watch and see how our life group leaders begin to lead. You can learn from the good and the bad. You can follow and watch what God is doing in their lives and learn to be taught like Jesus taught. I mean, that's what happens. And this is how we care. This is how we learn to care for hurting people. This is how you learn to respond when you get that midnight phone call. When you're there for a person that's going through something devastating. You need to be in a life group. You do. You desperately need to be in a life group. So Jesus tells him, clear the room. Get out. Everybody get out of here. And then so, again, just imagine the situation. Jesus walks in, and he's got three disciples. Mom and dad are there. They walk into this room. And can you just emotionally feel where this mom might have been? Here she is. I mean, I don't know if she's been able to leave the body, to walk away, to let go. I don't know, I don't know how you do that I don't know what, I just can't even imagine His mother's been there She's been there with his daughter She watched her daughter take her last breath And holding her body Holding his daughter just The tears, the, the brokenness And here comes Jesus with three guys she doesn't know what's going on her husband he's the supposed to be the pastor you know and and they they come walking in and i'm sure she's like you're late angry upset and everyone's weeping i mean you can hear jesus cast him out of the room but everyone's just weeping you can hear him crying all over the place you could hear him weeping crying this little girl's friends the family the congregation they're all just out there weeping mourning for her but he said, do not weep for she is not dead, but asleep. Sleep is a, it is a euphemism. It is a metaphor for those who die in faith, for believers that die in faith, that he calls it sleeping. Because church death, ultimately death, is not just the physical death, but there's the spiritual death. And then that spiritual death, there's a physical death that brings the spiritual death, which is separation from God. In, in the natural, without Jesus, there's a separation from God, and that is an eternal place of being separated from him forever and ever. And yes, each and every one of us, some, there are some of you in this place today, you're physically alive, and please, I love you, and I'm glad you're here. There are some of you that are physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. Spiritually dead because your spirit has not been renewed. You're living your life apart from Jesus. You're living your life apart from being born again and coming into a place of of making, allowing Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of your life and to fill you with the Holy Spirit that your life would begin to be transformed, showing and reflecting the fruit of righteousness. The Bible says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And because of your sins, you will die. Should the Lord tarry, you will die. And upon death, you will experience eternal death. Eternal death, separation from God. And how? That is the worst death of all. That is the ultimate death. The ultimate and worst deaths. But through Jesus Christ, he made a way. Through Jesus Christ, if you have faith in Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, when they die physically, they don't experience the ultimate death because their spirit goes, their soul goes to be with Jesus. We go go right to be with him. Every one of us, look, every one of you, we all have a physical body, and we also have an immaterial soul. Every single one of us. And when the physical body dies and goes into the grave, the immaterial soul of a believer goes to be with God. That's why Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He says to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so the Bible calls it asleep. He calls it sleeping when he talks about a believer dying. Because the believer, the body, goes into the ground, but the soul of a believer goes to be with the Lord goes to be with him until that day when the Lord Jesus returns and the soul is reunited with this glorified, resurrected body, patterned after the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. God makes a way for you and for me. And what that ultimately boils down to meaning in all of that, what that means is that for God, for God to raise a dead believer is no more difficult than for you parents to raise your kids from a nap. Come on, honey, time to get up. That's how difficult it is for Jesus to resurrect a dead believer. It's sleeping. It's just asleep. So what do all the people do? All the people, they they hear Jesus saying this stuff and and you would think that, man, after Jesus said some of this stuff, they'd be like in awe. (gasps) And no, that's not what happened. What happens, verse 53, they all laugh at him. Knowing she was dead, people still laugh at Jesus. Some of you may still laugh at Jesus. Laugh at something. Look, if you're not born again, then the things I'm talking about are foolishness to you. (laughs) I can't believe they actually believe that you—they have a soul. I can't believe they think that Jesus is coming back for them one day. (laughs) Oh my goodness! I how, how? What a fairy tale! I can't believe they. So Jesus is coming back. He's going to come get you. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be bodies coming back together out of the grave, and um, and you're going to forever live with him in a place where there's no sin and everything's. That's ridiculous. People still laugh at Jesus, but I, I love this that Jesus does never. He doesn't respond to those who are laughing. And some of you need, maybe you may in your heart be laughing. Jesus doesn't respond to that. You know, when in this time, what, Joe, what Jesus does in all of this is Jesus keeps going. Jesus' portrait, this beautiful portrait of eternity, our eternity. Look, I want you to see this. Verse 54, but taking her by the hand. So Jesus takes this little girl. Jesus extends his hand and takes this little girl's hand. He takes hold of, of this. And I, and I love the way Luke weaves this all together. He's just a master storyteller. He, he says, you know, does, in this whole story, does Jesus have to go to this woman's house, this girl's house, for her to be healed? No. no, I mean, Luke tells us a story earlier where, you know, somebody had said, Jesus, I need you to bring healing to my servant. And Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. If you just say it, it'll be done. And Jesus said it and it was done. Does Jesus need to take this little girl's hand? No. Does Jesus need to touch this little girl? No. So why did he go there? What was the purpose? Why, why did Jesus go to this little girl's house? And, and again, the answer is this. Because Jesus loved her. Why did Jesus take her by the hand? Because Jesus loved her. He loved him. And he says in verse 54, so he takes her by the hand and he called saying, child, arise. So in the story, he calls the woman daughter and he calls this Younger woman, this little girl, this 12 year old, he calls her child. And Jesus says, He calls her and says, Child, arise. And you know what happens? She opens her eyes. Look, think about this. Who's the first person she sees? Jesus. What's the first touch she feels? Jesus. What's the first voice she hears? Jesus. Church, look, this is a picture of the resurrection of the dead for everyone that is a child of God. This is a beautiful picture. Look, when we die, and every single one of us, you are going to die. Every one of us, none of us are getting out alive because of sin. We're all going to die. But for those who belong to Jesus Christ, those who are the children of God, on the other side of death, you will see Jesus face to face. You will hear the voice of Jesus. You will feel the touch of Jesus. He says, I will, Revelation says that he will wipe away every tear. You will feel, you will know, you will hear Jesus. He will be there with you to meet you on the other side of death. He will be there with you to meet you at that time of resurrection. Just like Jesus was there for this little girl. And imagine in all of this, as this is going on, imagine Jairus is like, I think one of the most incredible things, I mean, for Jairus, to, Jesus calls her, he says, child, arise. And he watches as his little girl opens her eyes. And, and the first thing she sees is God. The first touch she feels is God. The first voice she hears is God. Church, this is is like, this is a moment like this miraculous moment. This is an an overwhelming, incredible, like eternal moment that's happening. This is majestic, it's tender, It's, it's powerful, it's amazing, it's perfect. It's perfect. And that's what Jesus has for those who are children of God and then it says in verse 55 it goes on he's not even done yet and it goes on he says and her spirit returned and she got up at once and then he directed that something be given to her to eat why, why in the world would he oh look she just came back from the dead go make her a sandwich. What in the world, why in the world would that be like the first thing that Jesus thought? You know what, give this girl something to eat. I think Jesus, you know, again, this is what I also, part of just the simplicity of Jesus. I think Jesus did it because Jesus is nice. He's considerate. He cares about everything. This little girl's been sick, she's been ill. She may not have eaten in quite a while. She might have looked famished. Jesus said, go get her something to eat. I also believe that in this story, this is Jesus. He's giving us a foreshadowing of what's on the other side of the resurrection. Because just like this little girl enjoyed, there will be a feast for the children of God. Revelation 19, it calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that for those who go through death like this little girl did, for those, if we're in faith, if we have received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our life, if God has called out and said, child, and we've become children of God, then one day our body and our soul will resurrect and we will be reunited. And in that resurrection from death, there is no more sin, there is no more suffering, there is no more pain, there is, that will be no more. And we, that the forgiven, we will be cleansed as the word has talked to us about, but we will see Jesus face to face. We will hear the voice of Jesus. We will feel the touch of Jesus and we will sit down and we will feast with him. What a beautiful picture of eternity that he gives us from the bedroom of a little 12 year old girl. Amazing. Amazing. And then I know that we have a lack of words that can be used, but that seems like an understatement to me. And her parents were amazed. I think you got to keep on going. I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of words that need to be added there. Her parents, I'm sure, were just ecstatic. And all of that, you know, my daughter was dead, and now she's alive. He brought life back where death once ruled. Our Jesus did this. And Jesus says, oh, and I don't want you to go tell anybody. What? They're all out there mourning still. They're all out there crying. They're all out there wailing. What do you want me to do, hider? This is another good discussion group. Yeah, for you life group leaders. Why do you say that? I mean, again, I read multiple commentaries and... Uh, I, there's a lot of different reasons, I mean, that people have come up with, but most of them are all different. But why did he do that? And, and again, I think that in this moment, I think the reason that Jesus said that, and you guys can take this and talk about this, throw it out if you want to. I think that Jesus, Jesus had a primary ministry, And he was still in this place where in his primary ministry, he was preaching and teaching the gospel. He was telling people through his preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. And his secondary ministry was healing the sick, casting out demons and raising the dead. And Jesus did not want his primary ministry to be overwhelmed by his secondary ministry. Because Jesus still had things to teach and still had things to preach. You guys can talk about that though in your groups and see what you come up with as far as that reasoning goes. Let me ask the worship team to come back up. Church, sin, you know, in our life, sin results in suffering and death. And we see that in both of these stories, the story of this older woman and the story of this young girl. And some of you hear this story, and I know you can relate with this older woman. You can relate with her because you know that, man, my life has been filled with all sorts of pain. My life has been filled with sickness. My, fi- my life has been filled with difficult things. And my encouragement to you today would be to do what this woman did. And you press into Jesus. You press into Him. You press into that place where you can come into the presence of God and you reach out and you touch the hem of His garment so that the power of God can be unleashed in your life. And for some of you, you can and will be healed in this lifetime by Jesus. Some of you will receive that in a physical way. But all of those who call upon the name of the Lord will find spiritual healing. There is true spiritual healing for all who put their trust in Jesus some of you also know what these parents went through you may not be the one suffering but you've been with someone that has you've been with a parent you've been with a child you've been with an uncle you've been with a close friend and you know what it is to watch them suffer you know what it is to see them even die You know the heartache of that and the anguish of that, just like these people lost their daughter. And in this situation, and if that's you, I would encourage you to take the example of Jairus. And you just go to Jesus. Don't let the circumstances stop you. Don't let anything stop you. You go to Jesus. You press through the crowd and you go to Jesus and you fall down at his feet and you ask Jesus to come in your home. You ask Jesus to come to you. You cast yourself upon his feet and you call out to him and invite him into your home. Invite him into your life. Invite him into your family. Invite him into your pain. Invite him into the anguish. Invite him to come and to minister to you. And he will. He is faithful. Faithful. he is faithful he will minister to you but church for all of you one day we all will relate with this little girl all of us because every one of us is gonna die I mean should the Lord tarry we will all die The truth is, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. That means we die, every single one of us. Death comes for you. Death will come for me. Death comes to all of us. And if our faith is in Jesus Christ, then we will die in Him. We will rise like Him and we will forever be with Him. Because He bled just like that woman did. He carried our burden just like He did for that woman. He came to bring relief. He suffered just like that woman. He bled just like she did. Our Jesus suffered. Our Jesus died just like this girl did. And in both situations, you need to know that Jesus, He died, but He didn't stay there. Our Jesus came from the grave. He rose and he arose and he did that so that we could be joined together with him and that at the end of this life we will rise with him in resurrected life just like this little girl came back to life. God has life for those who put their trust in him. God has life for those who get their faith in him. God has life for you. But I ask you this morning and and I plead with you Please answer this honestly. Has Jesus forgiven your sins? Have you repented? Look, I'm not saying that you say you're sorry. Oh, we're all sorry. Am I really sorry if I tell my wife I do this? Did I do something? I hurt her. And I say, Oh, I'm sorry, but keep doing the same thing. No, it's repentance that matters. Meaning we turn away from that old way of living. And by the grace of God, He gives us the strength to do it. Have you repented and been forgiven of your sin? Have you received the free gift of salvation, the gift of God, the gift that you can receive through Jesus Christ as you call upon Him, allowing Him to come into your life as the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you received forgiveness? Have you received Jesus? Have you been marked by the Holy Spirit? Jesus said this, and either this is true or none of it's true. Jesus said, you must be born again. Born again in the Spirit. And he also says that this day, today, right now, that this is the day of salvation, that not a single one of us is promised tomorrow. And I want you to know that today, Jesus, just like He did to that little girl, Jesus is extending His hand to you. He is reaching out to that dead spirit that is within you, and He is reaching out to take hold of that hand, but you, in your flesh, have to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I receive that, and reach out, take hold of the hand of God, because He's extended it to you, to bring to you new life. He's come to you to give you the promise of eternal life. He's come today, to not because you deserve it, but because God it is his will to give this. And his hand is extended. And the question is, what will you do? Will you, will you touch the hand of God and reach out to his, his glory and be made alive? That you can leave those doors today, a transformed person because of Jesus. Or, or as he extends his hand, you can say "Uh, I don't need that Uh, you know what today's not the day Uh, I don't feel like it and you have the choice to leave these doors in the same eternally dead condition you came in with no promise that you'll make it till tomorrow what will you do what will you do will you bow your heads with me he leaves this choice up to us what will you choose Lord today I pray for each and every individual Lord and how your word has ministered as only you can in the individual places of each and every life God, I pray that today you would encourage those who are in need, those who are hurting, let there be healing. Those, Lord God, that are dead in their spirit, let there be life. God, for those who are apart from you, let them reach out and take hold of the hand of their God. I pray, Lord God, that today you would move into those hurts of the past and bring healing and restoration to those, Lord, that have struggled, those who are hurting, God, that we may not forget, but, God, that we could find peace peace in that situation, peace in that circumstance, peace in that loss. God, help us. Help us today. But for those, Lord, who need to, that that need to be born again, that need to reach out and take hold of your hand, Lord, lead them. Lead them through the crowd. Lead them, Lord God, to you. The spirits that are at work, the pride, the self-righteousness the feelings that we are invincible this life is fragile the eternal life is just that eternal and if you need to say yes Lord if you need to say yes Jesus today I need you I need you Would you allow me to pray for you and would you just slip your hand up right where you are and let me pray for you as you make this decision today come on I see the hand thank you Lord come on he's here for you his hand is outstretched do you need to take hold of that thank you Lord thank you Lord oh God you see each and every hand you see each and every heart you see each and every person God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move into this time to bring your blessing, to bring, Father God, your breakthrough, to bring life, Lord, to dead places, to bring the resurrection power of Jesus into those situations and bring life out of it. Bring life out of those dead places, Lord. Bring, Father God, your will into a place where our will once ruled. God, we give our life to you. We say, here I am, Jesus. Come, move in me. Take me, Lord, and make me yours forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And God, I don't deserve it, but I right now by faith, Lord, I just receive your righteousness in my life. And I pray that you'll fill me with your spirit. Make me the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come, come God, remove in me today. I stand in faith. I rebuke the fear. I stand in faith. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look, we'll be here. We'll pray with you at the altar if you need some prayer today. Don't walk through it alone. God did not make us to do that. He made us the body of Christ for a reason. So don't walk through this alone. If you're going through something and need some prayer, we're here and we will pray with you. So just come. Just come. Our church. Let's stand together.
1: You give a life, you are love, yes, you bring life. Stop.
0: today, feeling the Spirit of God lifting you up and doing what, whatever it is He needs to do in you, to fill you up and overwhelm you, and to realize the call of God, because when we leave this place today, church isn't over, church is just about to begin. God died what He will be the church. Go be what God died. What he went into the grave and what he rose again to create in you. Go be the body of Christ. God bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful day, church. Don't forget, get plugged into our life group.